The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good, everybody. Welcome to episode 26 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera of Niners Nation. Happy to be joined, as always, every single week by the incomparable RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What's up, RJ? Stats, yo, 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 what up? How's it going? What's it doing? How you been? How you living? Great to see you. Great to be with you. I wish I could give you a hug. Consider this a socially distanced hug. Glad to see your face. It's always a great day whenever you're on my computer screen. Wow. All right. That was unexpected. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a good mood. Um, the look ahead. Some people are saying the best show on the SB Nation NFL show. Um, you know, people get to hear our voices a lot because of the daily shows. You do such a fantastic job twice a week. I mean, you know, just just carrying all of us on, on that big, broad back of yours. So we really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, you know, Monday Football Monday, really good. The Oddcast, really good. Pupcast, it's okay. You know, Fridays are okay, but the look ahead is the best show that we have to offer. I maintain that. And you can judge for yourself. It's the perfect time to subscribe so you can check out all the shows we do. And while you're there, feel free to throw in a five-star rating and a nice review for us or a mean review. Actually, I'll take either one. Uh, But we do want to hear from you. So please keep the feedback coming. We do enjoy it. I just want to take a quick detour here because I have to explain to people that RJ is in like full NBA All-Star game tracksuit regalia right now. He had like you look like you're going in at some point. Yeah, actually it's funny that you say that uh because the 2004 crew 2006 crew excuse me i know i said four 2006 crew in houston wore this before they went in i'm wearing the shooting jacket shooting cover shooting top whatever you want to call it that the western conference all-stars wore in the 2006 all-star game in houston texas my dad and i actually went to the saturday night festivities in houston uh we saw at the time you know a really young lebron james obviously nate robinson won the slam dunk contest jumped over spud webb that was pretty cool the three-point contest is only time i've ever been to the saturday night festivities uh i've actually never been to the actual game but i maintain that the saturday night you know event under normal circumstances is much cooler because you get to see all the cool stuff all the tricks and fun stuff the game is fun but the game is also kind of like man you know who's who's really keeping score of this yep i think the skills competition and all that stuff is far more interesting i see these dudes play basketball every night so i i like just like a straight up skills competition i even like it in football i like it in all the sports really like that's what these guys do that's extraordinary so like give me more of that please yeah we need the um the old school pro bowl challenges back in the nfl yes. uh i understand if you want to get rid of the fastest man that one I could see like you're worried about your hamstring or something like that. But I loved the like, you know, the golf cart targets that quarterbacks had to hit and stuff like that. Like, that's what we want to see. Um, granted, that would probably get memed and YouTube and gift and everything if it didn't go well for quarterbacks. In fact, I can kind of speak to that because Dak Prescott lost a bit of a carnival game to David Carr a few years ago at the Super Bowl and everybody made fun of him for it. So that's well, uh, there you go. That's the risk, the risk you run as a public figure. But you are decked out in the NBA stuff today because we thought we'd have a little bit of fun. Uh, so we are in our free agency positional previews here on the SB Nation NFL show, the Pupcast 
kicked it off uh, yesterday, I believe, with the running backs. They we don't are matter. Doing... <laughs> wow. Okay. That was a brief synopsis. Uh, <laughs> we are doing the wide receivers today, but we want to do it a little bit differently because today is also the draft of the NBA All-Star teams. If you don't know, the two highest vote getters become captains and they pick the players that are going to be on their team for the NBA All-Star game. So we are going to steal a page out of that book in homage to the NBA All-Star game. And we are going to draft five free agent wide, uh, six actually, free agent wide receivers each, starting five and then a sixth man. Because, you know, you got to have a sixth man. Of course. But, and this was your idea, RJ, and I I completely give you credit because we want to be accountable. We want to make sure you have the receipts. We are keeping the receipts. So we have come up with a special way to hold ourselves accountable so that these things don't just disappear into the ether. Yeah. From now on, anytime stats and I have, uh, you know, a wager, whatever you want to call it, we're going to track this and we'll have some, some cute little fun graphics and we'll, like we said, hold ourselves accountable. And so on the subject of wide receivers, we are going to build a starting five with an appropriate six man shout out, of course, uh, to the greatest six man of all time, Manu Ginobili, um, also a great starter in his own right at a certain point in his career. But, um, we're going to assemble a starting five, and it's going to be draft order. So the first five receivers you draft stats are your starting five. I don't want to hear any complaining about the rules like last week in our Taylor Swift showdown. Um, and so since we're focusing on wide receivers, at the end of the 2021 season, we will have a show where we recap the whole season, and we'll recap all of the fun wagers that we put out between now and then. And we'll go through, we'll talk about how I was right 96% of the time. Stats was lucky to get 4% of his things right. For the purposes of this conversation, our free agent wide receivers, the five that we choose, we're going to add up all of their receptions, all of their receiving yards, and all of their receiving touchdowns this coming season. Whoever has the most on their team wins. Now, the sixth man stats, you are allowed to substitute in place of one of your starters. That's up to you. If you look at it after the season, you say, man, you know, wide receiver X didn't do that great. My sixth man did. I'd rather put him in there. Kind of like you ever take a class and you're allowed to drop the lowest test grade or whatever. Kind of like that. Uh, But yeah, partly inspired by the NBA All-Star Game, which is having their draft today. Some would say that they are actually copying us because we got to the draft first. That's true. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious here that the NBA kind of takes their lead from this show. Yeah, I mean, um, we're both also very stylish, like NBA players. Uh, you look at our fashion senses, uh, things like that. What are the actually? What's what are the coolest uh, basketball shoes you've ever had in your life? Stats, the ones you love the most. I had the the black Jordans. I don't know which one it was, but they were the black Jordans with the crisscross Velcro straps over the middle with a twenty three. They were so damn cool. I love those shoes. Those are probably my favorite sneakers of my youth i wore those things until like there were literally holes in the soles nice nice little rhyme there you could be a rapper um mine um i had jordans just as well you know obviously they're they're that's a different kind of favorite but the like absolute favorite for me were the t-mac twos uh the black with the blue stripes going across the front they were incredible uh my school colors were purple and white at the time so it didn't really match but I mean, it was it was T-Mac, so I kind of made it work because it had to. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, shout out to the All-Star game. Um, and so stats, the vote getters, obviously, in the NBA are determined or, or rather the order of who's going to pick is determined by the votes. So LeBron James, Kevin Durant are the captains for the All-Star game. You and I, congratulations, we are the captains here. Uh, but we have to decide who's going to pick first. Last week, you asked me a trivia question when we drafted our Taylor Swift songs again um, in a totally non-contested fashion. It was totally above board. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I have a trivia question for you. Now, you asked me something about the Dallas Cowboys. I am not going to ask you something about the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going mm-hmm. to ask you something about the Pittsburgh Steelers that has a Dallas Cowboys clue or, or connection baked into it. Are you ready? Yes. If you get this right... You get to choose whether you want to draft first or second. This is not a snake draft. It's going to go me, you, you, me, back and forth, back and forth. So the Pittsburgh Steelers recently, and I say recently, somewhat loosely, retired me and Joe Green's number, right? Awesome. He was not the first player in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers to have his jersey retired. Can you name the first, and at the time of Joe Green's jersey retirement, the only Steeler to have his number retired? Wow. And it has a Cowboys thing baked into it. Is this somebody that has played 
for the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is that what you are uh, going at here? I can't tell you that. And I chose not to ask you a 49ers trivia question because um, while you do a fantastic job covering San Fran, and I like to think I do an all right job covering America's team. That's right, America's team. Um, We cover the NFL, and you and I are both obsessive NFL fans, and I would expect you to know this. And if you don't know it, I promise you, you're going to be glad that you do moving forward. Oh, man. The first Steeler to ever have his number retired. Even ahead of... Oh, I... This it's not. Wrong. It's not obvious. It's. it's is it not, Rocky Blyer? No, I'll give you one more guess because I'm feeling generous. But it is not obvious. That is. That is your other clue. Oh, I don't know. I give me I a have name. No answer. Give me a name. You can do it. Just name a name. Ben Roth. Uh, Jack right. Lambert. I mean, it's obvious, but no. Ernie Stotner, who was the oh, come on, who was the longtime defensive coordinator for Tom what Landry's Dallas rigged- Cowboys. And the Quack. doomsday defense. Hey, that's a really wait, interesting wait, fun wait, fact. He, he did he play or was he just the coordinator? He was he was the coordinator for one of the most famed defenses in NFL history. So how did he get his jersey number retired? He played for the Steelers before that. I see. Okay, uh, <laughs> give me a. I mean, what kind of a question is that? Like, hey. you legitimately thought there's a chance I might come up with that answer? Yes, because like me, you are obsessed with the NFL and you know all sorts of fun facts about the League of National Football. And so I expected there was at least like a 17% chance that you would oh. know this. Look, when Great. you're on a game show and you are asked this question, you are going to thank me for having given you the answer. Yeah, great. You asked me a question you thought I had an 83% chance to get wrong. Thanks. Take the first pick. Let's go. 83, by the way, um, not the best wide receiver number, but I do miss the day and age where wide receivers did wear numbers in the 80s more often than they do at this particular rate. Um, So for me, stats, I have the first overall pick, and um, I'm going to choose to go first instead of second since that is my right. Um, And I'm going to take Allen Robinson. I don't think there's any mistake about this. And The interesting thing about this is we're drafting players that are free agent wide receivers. This doesn't necessarily have to be players that leave and join other teams. So Chris Godwin is available to be drafted. Maybe that's who you want to pick. I left him kind of free. I did feel a little bit bad, but I, I really, I listened to Allen Robinson. He was on the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman this week. And he just has his mind in a really interesting place entering free agency in my mind. Now we'll see whether the bears do place the franchise tag on him as is their contractual right. But Allen is looking at quarterback situations. He's already watched tape of the young upcoming rookie quarterbacks. I wonder if a reunion in Jacksonville is up for grabs, you know, with obviously the Jaguars going to have Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract and have a lot of cash to spend elsewhere. Um, Allen has talked about wanting to play in a big market. He mentioned New York, so maybe he's heading to the Jets and not that Chicago is a small market by any means, but I'm just really excited because I think no matter what, Allen's quarterback situation is going to improve itself. And by the way, when I was listening to that interview, when they introduced him and, and he talked about himself, he said, you know, if somebody had told me that I would sign with the Bears and we'd go to the playoffs two out of three years, you know, I would have taken that. And I feel like we look at the Bears as this like colossal failure within the NFL. They're somewhat respectable. But Allen Robinson really pumped about this. I think that that is a fine first pick. Allen Robinson, I think, is super underrated. Since 2019, he leads the league in contested catches. Not because he's really good at jumping and high-pointing the ball and taking it away from defenders, because the list of quarterbacks that Allen Robinson has played with since college is horrible, and he always has to compensate for that. In college, his two quarterbacks were Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg, who was so good he was taken in the second round and never played a snap in the league. Then he comes into the NFL, he goes to Jacksonville, and his quarterbacks are Blake Bortles and Chad Henney. And somehow, through some miracle, Allen Robinson leads the NFL in touchdown catches with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. He had 14 touchdown catches. Then he becomes a free agent. Where does he go? Like you said, he goes to Chicago. Who are his quarterbacks there? Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. Like, he has never had a really good quarterback to throw him the ball. I hope he doesn't go to New York, even though, like you said, he was talking about it because, I mean, well, maybe if Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, who knows? But I'd like to see him, like, go to Green Bay. I think he would be awesome with the Packers, with a quarterback that knows how to get him the damn ball. 
Green Bay, Baltimore. Um, I think, you know, we, we're naming these teams. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, have, have obviously isolated the Ravens as like, oh, that's where the major free agent receiver needs to go. But I do think there's going to be an underrated team that kind of jumps up and, and snags somebody. Indianapolis is in the running. I know you connected another free agent, a couple of wide receivers on this list of them a few weeks ago. But um, also, I mean, like from a coaching perspective, like his best coach in college was arguably his best coach to date as far as NFL accomplishments was Bill O'Brien at Penn state. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in, I know he had Matt Nagy in Chicago and, and, and Nagy was regarded as this offensive wizard and whatnot, but the guy has had like no talent around him in any capacity. And he's really kind of kept it chill. The last year has featured some, you know, some scuttle, you know, about the contract, but I hope he goes somewhere where he's allowed to flourish. And if he does, my number one overall pick is going to look pretty good. That is a fine selection by you. I did not have him number one on my board. And as Whoa. soon as we talked about this, I had to go to the big board. Um, I like that you did that because he doesn't necessarily have the best stats, but that doesn't mean he's not the best player. I had Chris Godwin number one, so that'll be my first pick. He's 25 years old. He's had at least seven touchdowns every year he's been in the league. I know he had some drop issues at the end of this year last year, but I think he's just a really good player. I think he could potentially be if not a number one, like really, really close to a number one wide receiver. And to me, like that has to be a factor when I'm ranking these guys. So I loved Chris Godwin. I'm glad you didn't take him. I will take him. I don't think he's going to leave Tampa Bay. I think they're going to franchise him or they'll they'll figure it out because I think he he likes to be on a contending team and they literally just won the Super Bowl and Brady just said he thinks they could be even better next year. So to me, I gave Godwin the slight edge over Allen Robinson just a little. So if he were to leave Tampa Bay, would you feel better or worse about this pick? And obviously some of that would depend on where he went, but generally speaking. Yeah, I think that's part of it too, right? Like if you think a guy is totally dependent on the team that he's in, then I can't have him that high on my board. Part of the reason why he is this high is because I think he's going to be very good no matter where he goes. I think he has that kind of talent. I know Mike Evans was there in Tampa Bay and I'm not going to lie, like that clearly helps. But I just think that his game is not totally dependent on not getting the double teams. I think even if he's doubled, he's going to find ways to get open. I feel really good about it. I'm, I've got my number one guy in the first round. I'm feeling good so far. I am really excited about Chris Godwin, especially if he stays in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I know we we poke at this like San Francisco, the revenge tour, and now KC's on that, you know, and all these people are like, oh, Tampa Bay has the, you know, ingredients for a dynasty. No, Tampa Bay <laughs> has the ingredients to be really good. Maybe they'll win the Super Bowl again. Uh, but at the very least, I mean, there's no reason why that offense should regress in any capacity. So Chris Godwin likely going to get his. I think this works out better for you if he stays in Tampa Bay, obviously. So now I'm kind of rooting for him to go elsewhere. Also because that would make the NFL more fun. Um, okay, so it's my turn, Stats. Um, if we're going off of like, you know, if whoever does mock drafts for this universe that you and I are crafting here, they have probably placed Kenny Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster as the next person that should go off the board. I am going to swerve just a little bit here uh, because while I like Kenny Galladay and maybe that's who you're going to take, I think that national perception around Juju Smith-Schuster is really rapidly declining. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't really see Juju like wanted elsewhere outside of Pittsburgh. I, I do. I would just be fascinated to see, you know, what NFL front offices talk about when it, it comes to his like TikTok dancing and stuff, because they definitely do talk about it. But I am going to bank a little bit. And this is a risky proposition with my second pick on this person following his friend and former teammate to his new destination, Marvin Jones. If Marvin Jones ends up with the Los Angeles Rams, stats is pumped about my pick that I mean, I'm I'm trying to get a piece of that because if he is with the Rams, Sean, that's all Sean McVay wants. Sean McVay wants an opportunity to just air it out with his brand new toy, his brand new quarterback. We have seen a lot of wide receivers join the Rams in recent memory. Obviously, Cooper Cup's been a bit of a point of stability there, but you know, the one year that he was there, Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins. I mean, that that could this this could really pay off for me. I realize it's a high price to pay, but I'm pumped about it. I like you we are thinking there because you're right. Where a guy goes has a huge factor on how many yards he's going to rack up next year. And I I am totally on board with the thought that I think McVay is going to go nuts next year. I think they're going to be airing it out. I think Stafford's going to be chucking it all over the place. Like Matt Stafford has not had a coach anywhere near as good as Sean McVay in his career. I think he's going to be getting, he's going to be dropping back to pass and going, 
wait, is this how other quarterbacks feel all the time? Guys are open everywhere. Like, all I got to do is just throw it to that guy with nobody around him. Like, this is what other people were doing for all these years. Like, I, I think that that's what we could see with the Rams. So if you get a guy like Marvin Jones that goes there, I like your banking on upside here. I, I kind of feel you with that pick a little bit. I will say my one point of caution, and we see this happen sometimes when like a coach leaves team X to team Y, uh, like a nucleus of players kind of follows, right? And and it's almost, you know, then the fan base of the new team is like, oh, we got, you know, X, Y, and Z. We're going to be awesome. It's like, there's kind of a reason why it wasn't working anymore in the old home, you know? And so I just, I would, I would find it very fascinating if, and I include us in this group, if people were hyping up the primary connection of the Detroit Lions as this like would be Super Bowl contender with the Los Angeles Rams. Granted, Sean McVay is an incredible kind of makeover to that connection. Um, but still, like it's it's been a thing for a while. And so uh, I don't know. That's just it's a point of caution. So I'm, I'm pumped about Allen Robinson. I feel like he allowed me to kind of take this risk. The thing I like about it is now that you've taken this risk, all my picks that I didn't think necessarily were going to be there are still on the board. So I'm, I thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. Okay. Here's, here's where I'm going next. And I'm, I'm actually going against my own rankings. You know, this is like a gut feel in the middle of the draft. I know I've spent all this time preparing this list, but now I'm going to completely ignore it. Once the red light comes on, I'm going to go Curtis Samuel next. I love it. I think that Curtis Samuel is really good. I think he's underrated. He put up a career high in receptions and yards last year with Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback who look, you know, he is what he is to me. He's a backup quarterback and he was the guy that was starting for them. I think that actually, if you go back and watch a lot of Panthers games, there were a lot of plays that Teddy left on the field, you know, that, that Samuel didn't get a chance to shine and put up even bigger numbers than he has. I'm a big Curtis Samuel guy. And I think, I'm wondering if maybe Urban Meyer, his old coach, you know, the Ohio State connection there, it's possible. The Jags have cap space. They're going to need guys for Trevor Lawrence to throw to after they draft him. I'm going Curtis Samuel, and it's a bit like you, a bit of a projection, but I think the best is yet to come for him. I'm going to draw a comp for the situation here, and it's going to sound so stupid that I'm comparing these two. But to me, because I, I don't know that the – and maybe this isn't true because a lot of average NFL fans are Ohio State fans, and so maybe this doesn't totally hold. But I don't know that the average NFL fan knows who Curtis Samuel is. He's not even supremely fantasy relevant in kind of standard 10-team leagues. He's definitely relevant in deeper dynasty leagues and whatnot. But um, to me, this this has the the like makings-ish in your wildest dreams, which, by the way, is the name of another Taylor Swift song. <laughs> um, but... Um, of Wes Welker joining the New England Patriots, right? Because at the time it was like, who's that? Like big, big deal. You know, they got this slot dude, whatever. And it just like blows up and he becomes this massive, awesome, you know, commodity for them. I think it has that kind of that, like that's the greatest, you know, result here. It has that kind of trajectory. I love it. I wanted Curtis Samuel, but I'm going to be honest. I, I, I got played because I thought I could wait. I didn't think you were going to be in on him. Bam. Uh, you paid it. You paid a hefty price, but so did I from Marvin Jones. And so I like where we're at right now. This is a bit of a bummer. I hope I don't look back at, at the second over or the third overall pick, you know, for years and say, gosh, what was I thinking? I love the Ohio State idea. I think, and this is, I hope happens to some degree. It would be fascinating. Say Allen Robinson does go home to the Jaguars. Curtis Samuel goes to kind of be that guy operating in the middle of the field. And all of a sudden, we've got two dudes competing for volume within the same offense. That'd be a lot of fun. I mean, look, they got to load up. Like, they've got the cap. Right. There's no reason not to do it. And I think Urban, you know, like, guys, new head coaches like to bring in, like, their guys, so to speak. And I'm just, I think it could happen. So, all right, it's my turn now, and that's what matters the most here. And I just used the word volume, and this I'm not pumped about this, but here's the thing, <laughs> you loyal listener. When you take a look at this list, it gets kind of grim after the first two picks. <laughs> and so that's that's the tough situation. I mean, I would ra- let me be clear. Outside of Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin, I would rather draft a receiver over any of these players, like from a resource, you know, allocation standpoint for all these teams. But again, for the purposes of this exercise. So all that being said, I mentioned volume and I do believe that volume is important here. I don't believe that this player is going to have a supremely high return on investment, but I think that the volume is going to be there 
for Juju Smith-Schuster and the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially if, with Ben Roethlisberger coming back. I mean, the the path to their end goal is very, very you know specific. They have to follow a very specific formula. It seems like James Conner's going to walk, and maybe they're going to get somebody in and run the ball, but it's going to be the Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster show. Yeah, Chase Claypool and whatnot, but Juju, I think, is going to be a high-volume target, and I think he'll just get enough to kind of, you know, he's going to give me, you know, 16 points a night, maybe seven or eight assists, and I think I can live off of that. See, that's that's the key with him, I think. He's not a number one. We all kind right. of thought he was going to be when Antonio Brown was there and Juju was getting, I think he had two straight years with like a 97-yard touchdown catch. And everybody was like, this guy's a superstar. The, you know, the Steelers are set. And then Antonio Brown blew up, left Pittsburgh. And what do we see from Juju? Not bad. Not bad by any stretch of the imagination. But not a number one stud guy in the mold of that Antonio Brown type of thing. He's only 24 years old still. Like we think he's like he's been around for so many years. He was the youngest player when he came into the NFL. He's still 24. I think there's still room to grow, but he is not a number one, like I said. And I think he's a guy who's very situation dependent in Pittsburgh. I think he could put up some really good numbers for you if he were to go somewhere else. I, I don't know if he would be able to produce at that same level. Yeah, I will say this is a candidate for potential sixth man replacement for me. But I do believe wherever Allen Robinson goes, he's a guaranteed volume target, right? Chris Godwin, especially if he leaves Tampa Bay, is a guaranteed volume target. I think the highest floor of volume outside of those two players with this whole pool of free agent wide receivers does belong to Juju. That's fair. That's fair. And once again, you've left the door open for me. So I really appreciate it. My next pick, this. a guy you mentioned, but I'm taking him anyway, it's Kenny Galladay. I Look love Kenny Galladay. I think he's the best player at contested catches in the league. He just like, everybody has their skill, right? And their thing, like that is his thing. He is going to make your quarterback better. And that's why I, I'm really, really hoping that the Lions do not franchise him because I want to see him hit the open market because like to me, if you're a team with a young quarterback, you want Kenny Galladay. If you're a team like the Ravens should run to sign Kenny Galladay because your quarterback doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to always, you know, throw the ball in the perfect spot and only put it in a spot where your receiver can get it. Like Kenny Galladay will go find it. He will protect your quarterback from turnovers. Everybody should want this guy. He doesn't have the highest ceiling. I, I look at him kind of like a faster Anquan Bolden. Does that make sense? Ooh. It does make sense. I like that. By the way, Anquan Bolden, part of the you know most obviously collusion trade in NFL history, uh, the team in which acquiring him is among the worst run franchises in all of professional sports. It's fine. Uh, but <laughs> so talking about the I, 49ers trading for him after the Super Bowl. Yeah, consolation prize. Um, so I I like that comp a lot. And you know where I would really like to see Kenny Galladay? And this is a like – total whoa what on earth are you talking about dude and that's what i'm saying like i think there's going to be a team that kind of creeps up and, and shocks people we are talking so much about the ravens need a wide receiver for lamar jackson the colts need a wide receiver for carson wentz you know who needs a wide receiver for their young hot shot quarterback the Bengals. like go get joe yeah. burrow a baller i mean i like no disrespect to tyler boyd um but i mean A.J. Green was never like a legitimate commodity in Cincinnati for Joe Burrow specifically. Go get yourself a just stud. Like to your point, I, I think that he needs like if every one of these dudes needs to look at their quarterbacks that they're potentially going to play with. But if I'm, you know, Kenny Galladay, I want a guy that's going to throw me these 50-50 balls, so to speak. If there's a dude who's unafraid of anything in the <laughs> NFL right now, it's Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think for Cincinnati, the whole game plan now is Burrow. The clock is ticking. The clock on his contract is ticking. He had that horrible knee injury, so he's got to come back from that. The two names of the game for you are protecting Joe Burrow and surrounding him with assets to throw to. And I think Kenny Galladay would be perfect. He could be a, a safety blanket for him, too. Like you said, oh, my first read's not there. I don't know what to do. Well, let me look. Kenny Galladay's down there. Let me chuck it up to him. And I think that's going to pay off more times than not. That would be a great landing spot. If you're Cincinnati, I don't know if you're Kenny Galladay, if you want to go there, I've heard some not nice things about Cincinnati, how they run their team. But for the Bengals, it makes all the sense in the world. Plus, they're getting new uniforms. Uh, this is a totally separate question. Is Zach Taylor 
like if we power rank the hot seat coaches, is he number one I mean, entering the season? He's got to be. He's got to be really close. Although, here's the thing. Ownership does not like paying guys not to work. So I don't know what his contract situation is. I think he's got a few more years left on it. And so mm-hmm. I, they do not fire coaches early in Cincinnati. So he may, just through the sake of how they do that, <laughs> just get more years. That's fair. That's well said. Um, so I want to add a stipulation here, stats. Um, no, here we that go. We are having we, no, no, no. Just for the listener, we're having this conversation on March third, and it's possible that more wide receivers could be released between now and the start of free agency. So if somebody prominent is, don't come, you know, tweeting at stats at stats on fire. Mm-hmm. How come you left? You know, Brandon Ayuk, who the 49ers <laughs> surprisingly cut. They off better the not. List. <laughs> uh, so I mean, just again for full context. Um, so I like that pick a lot. Like I said, uh, it's my turn again, which, which again is ultimately what matters. And the theme of my picks, if it's not obvious stats is volume, guaranteed volume, guaranteed high floors, as high of floors as I can possibly have. And this is, is not as reliable as Juju Smith-Schuster in that capacity, but I do think that his current team is going to let him walk. And I think that some other team is going to kind of fool is a, is a rough way to put it, but you know, kind of overly convinced themselves that, hey, we're getting a number one wide receiver in Corey Davis. Corey Davis had a really great season this past year with the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, A.J. Brown is the baller there, the alpha within that offense, and so it makes sense for Tennessee to let him mock. Maybe they pick up a comp pick next year. Um, but, I, I mean, some somebody's going to pay. And I, and if not, I think Corey Davis is a great candidate for like a nobody paid, so I'll take the one-year deal and re-hit the market next year option that we've been kind of talking about. Corey Davis is 6'3", 209. To me, he looks like he's 6'8", 330. He's like way just bigger, like a bigger dude to me than than he seems, you know, than his listed height and weight. I like that move by you. Again, I think that there are certain traits that, that people fall in love with. And when you watch Corey Davis, you could see some of those. And I don't think he's going to get like a massive deal too. But sometimes that's better for guys because... They, they don't get this massive deal, but maybe they go to a better team. And so if we're talking about who's going to put up the better numbers, obviously the better situation you're in, the better your chances are for that. So that that's a sneaky good pick by you. Stop it. So stats, a little bit of, of you know, kind of pulling back the curtain here as we are recording this on Wednesday. Um, I think it's appropriate that this happens while we are profiling free agent wide receivers. And this just kind of reinforces some of the picks that we have already kind of made. Uh, but again, as we are recording, it has been reported that Tyrell Williams coming off of his stint with the Las Vegas Raiders is joining the Detroit Lions. It is a one-year deal worth up to $6.2 million. So not a gigantic chunk of change for a wide receiver. Certainly not uh, anything to kind of, you know, scoff at either. But this does reinforce, I think, that both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are going to be left to walk. I think so, too. You've got a new coaching change in Detroit. They're trying to get their guys in like we talked about. I feel even better about my Kenny Galladay pick. I'm glad that neither of us had drafted Tyrell Williams to this point. That would have been, you know, unfortunate. Yeah, he's number 10 on my board. So, yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Well, who's number four? Because you have to pick number four right now. See, now we're getting into the guys with warts, right? Like, oh, we're getting into some of the guys where I feel like they might need an injury somewhere to really step up and shine. Um, I, all right, I don't I love have two. It. By the way, I have, I have two players in mind, and I, I think I'm going to get them both. I'm taking a leap. I'm going to go with Will Fuller. Oh, dude, bold. Respect, but bold. He's not a guy that's going to get me 100 catches by any stretch of the imagination, but the dude gets open deep all the time i don't know how he does it because to me that's like the only thing he does but he does it consistently (laughs) i was amazed him and robbie anderson i'm like how does this keep happening but they keep catching deep balls i know he had the injury but he had the highest yards per catch of his career last year he was over 16 yards per catch he's gonna have to be in a situation one where he gets opportunity because i don't know if he's necessarily going to be a starter he might be a three or something like that And he's going to need a quarterback that can obviously throw a good deep ball. So there's a lot of circumstantial things that sort of need to line up for him to really contribute to my team. It could be a six-man replacement that I'm talking about here. But at this point, I look at potential for big – like he could be a guy that has like 500 yards on the year but has like seven or eight touchdowns because he just keeps catching deep balls. So I'll go Will Fuller. Right. I like this pick a lot. Um for the potential, obviously, it's a, a heavy risk of the dice, but his 
his potential yield is a really special thing on the set. Like we'll keep it kind of NBA related reminds me of uh, before he really evolved as a defender. I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, if it's not obvious, Um, but (laughs) Danny green in the 2013 NBA finals, when he was just, I mean, three after three, after three, after three, that's kind of what Will Fuller could provide for you. But this is a bit of a, of a risk. This is like, you know, like, um, like on super Mario where you get the side level and you get to jump and hit the block and you either get like 10 extra lives or Bowser comes and like steals 50 coins or whatever. Like you, you are running the risk right now, but I respect it stats. You're playing the game. You're living a little look. I, you know, I walked the line. What can I say? So we each have four receivers to this point. I mentioned that I have two more names in mind. I do think that I will get both of them. So now it's a matter of prioritizing the one that I think you um, are going to go after least. So with my fifth pick, my you know technical starting five, again, this, this is a careful pick stats because this is your starting five and you have to decide if you want to ultimately replace one of them. Um, I am going to go T.Y. Hilton. Because I think somebody's going to talk themselves into, and I I think T.Y. is a sneaky candidate. I could see him, you know, hitting like six, seven hundred yards, just a lot of garbage time production, maybe like six to eight touchdowns on the year. That's, I think, a classic T.Y. I think there's still gas left in that tank, so to speak. I don't think he's returning to Indianapolis, but but there's just with how much, you know, teams pass the ball now. I think T.Y. Hilton can definitely find a home somewhere. He's getting up there in age. He's 31 right now. He'll turn 32 during the season. Here's the thing with T.Y. Like for most of the year last year, I thought he was totally washed. I was like, man, he just doesn't have it anymore. The speed. I don't know what's going on. And then the last like there was a chunk of like five or six games in the second half of the year last year where he absolutely went nuts. He was throwing up like four catches, 80 yards, eight catches, 110 yards, five catches, 86 yards, two touchdowns like he, I don't know what happened, but like all of a sudden he drank from the uh, the Holy Grail there and he found the fountain of youth. I know I'm mixing a lot of things, but just go with it. <laughs> he was incredible. So maybe he can rekindle some of that next year. I don't know, you know why he couldn't do it for the whole year, but he still has something left in the tank for sure. You mean you don't know T.Y. he couldn't do that for a whole year? See what I did there? Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I I would love to see T.Y. Um, like, I think Jacksonville is another great home. I, don't, I know it's a lazy comp. Maybe Cincinnati. Like, because, again, Cincinnati isn't exactly the, the would-be, you know, be destination for free agents and whatnot. So, I mean, he is – there are guys that I think are going to be left out in the cold when the free agency music stops playing. But uh, T.Y. is, I think I, – th- there are – I think he's above the guys with warts to me. I, I, I realize that age is a factor, but if if you're measuring between T.Y. and like a like if I had to sign one of T.Y. or Will Fuller, I would rather sign T.Y. Hill. There's just more dependability there. Yeah, Fuller's a little younger, though. I do like sure. youth. Uh, but you mentioned uh, some other teams like the Cardinals, I think, could be mm. a night like that would be a great spot for them because I think they really need to, to build more around Kyler. The offense is the problem in Arizona. It is not the defense. So I think they could be a landing spot. Even Green Bay, like, I, mm. they still haven't put anything around Devontae Adams there. I know they keep getting to the NFC Championship game, so maybe they don't need to. But, like, there are spots there where you could slide certain people in. Like, you're telling me Aaron Rodgers can't squeeze a little more juice from the T.Y. Hilton Orange? Like, come on. Or Miami. I mean, like, you could go a number of different ways here that I, I think he he has such a, a very – universal role there's there are very few teams that don't need what he can offer um and it is a very dependable you know sort of offering from him so i'm very excited about my starting five and i'm super pumped about my six men of the year because i know you're not about to pick him okay this is going to be a little homer in me but i'm doing it anyway i'm good i'm gonna go with kendrick Bourne, niners (laughs) receiver most people probably don't know who he is He's, he uh, can't be your number one. He's clearly not good enough, but he's a solid player. He makes a lot of tough catches. And here's the thing. In order for him to excel, he needs to be in the right system. He needs to be in the Kyle Shanahan type system. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people running that system now, and a lot of them need wide receivers. Green Bay would be a great spot for him. He already knows the system. The Rams would be a great spot for him. They've gotten to see him up close and personal. He killed the Rams. In the game in 2019, it was the first third and 16 game. He caught the ball that made that conversion over the middle of the field. He's a big player. He's Again, he can't be your number one. He's just not that good. But he can be my number five. 
There are too many good situations I think he can <laughs> land, so I'm going Kendrick Bourne. Stats, you're like the guy who just drafted somebody from your alma mater. You know, like that's that's what this is right now. I mean, Kendrick Bourne's a fine NFL talent, but you left a lot of, of talent on the board. This was this was a bit of a reach. You know, all all the pundits are, are sitting here saying, Stats took him with the fifth pick. What? Hey, you know what? What would you say to them? I would say that they said that Bobby Wagner was a reach when he was drafted. How'd that turn oh. out? How did that turn out? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like the Will Fuller thing is a true wild card pick. This is not that, um, but I think this is a candidate for your six man of the year award, but I respect it. I certainly think that there is talent there. And I actually think your best bet is if he stays in San Francisco, honestly, like that's the most trustworthy thing. here. It could be. I just think that I don't know. I, I'm wondering if maybe the Jets are going to go steal him because they run the right. same system. They have cap space. And sometimes when you're trying to get your guys to sort of teach everybody else the system, you're willing to overpay a little bit. And I think that, I mean, if the Jets want them, they have oodles of cap space. They're definitely going to be able to outbid the 49ers. So, Stats, we each have a starting five right now. I think we're all very excited about it. Um, And by all, I mean you, I, and the bajillions of listeners here to the look ahead. And there are some interesting names still on the board. We now have to pick a sixth man, as mentioned. Uh, We can substitute this player for any one of ours if we so choose at the end of the 2021 season. Some former real-time badasses here. AJ Green's on the board. Antonio Brown. You mentioned the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald's on the board. Sammy Watkins, Deshaun Jackson, Willie Sneed. Uh, Brashad Perriman, I think, is an interesting roll of the dice if, if you want to get that kind of cheeky with it. But for me, stats, I'm thrilled with the value here. And especially if he goes to the most predictable destination that he could go to in the NFL, which is the Indianapolis Colts, Nelson Aguilar. Nelson had a career resurgence last year with the Raiders. And if he rejoins Carson Wentz, I mean, we're talking about, you know, obviously, you know, they need to go out and spend some money. And it is very clear that they want to focus on, you know, giving Carson what he likes, surrounding him with comfort outside of his own jersey number, albeit. But Nelson Aguilar, I think, is a really, really, really great value, a true sixth man. And I'm pumped that he is part of my squad. Uh, You can have Nelson Aguilar. I want no part of him. I, wow. I disrespect. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Like I, I, two, just, I have two USC receivers, by the way. You know, shout out to me and my Cali vibes. And maybe I'm spoiled, like because I just have this image of the Eagles' offense, or not Eagles. What am I saying? The Raiders' offense, like it doesn't jump out to me when I think of Nelson Aguilar. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just what's special about him? Um. I, I I mean, this isn't like a quality, but he makes some of the most stupid, like, how did he do that catches? You know, and it, they're not like insane, like feats of athleticism. It's just, and so some of it isn't even him. It's just, he has that quality. It's a weird quality to his game. And, and he's, you know, I, I think he's a player that gets in his own way a lot, which happened near the end in Philly a lot. And so, I mean, he was a critical piece to that Super Bowl run. And so, I mean, look, that we're talking with the sixth pick. This is my Mr. Irrelevant stats. I mean, <laughs> it, it could be a lot worse. You're absolutely right. Um, there, that is a point. Like you're not depending on him to carry your team. And he actually, his numbers last year were even better than I remember. Like I, he had almost 900 right. yards and eight touchdowns. Like that is very respectable by you. I'm just not upset about losing him at all. So this is the last pick. And here's my question to you. This is only receiving yards, right? And receiving touchdowns, that's it. So you cannot, or it would not be wise of you to pick Cordero Patterson. Because that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, as a returner, the guy is incredible. Like, one of the best in the history of the National Football League, for sure. But if you're taking that off the board, he doesn't really offer pretty much anything outside of that. So I have to go away from him. Oh, I don't like this. I feel very uncomfortable because... Antonio Brown is there. Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. You give him a full offseason. He knows the system now. Brady loves him. Loves him. And I don't, I mean, I don't know why. They certainly, like, he was not a critical piece to their team all season. But I think I'm going to go Antonio Brown just because of the potential upside. He's my sixth man. I'm not counting on him. But if he has anything close to any of the years that he had when he was in Pittsburgh, 
he's a monster. He's he could be the best receiver in the entire league. So at a, at a sixth man spot, rather than settle for like a Zach Pascal or a Sammy Watkins who's always hurt, I'm rolling the dice big time. Go big or go home, Antonio Brown. I actually think this is a really um this ironic, of course, responsible pick from you um, because he does present such an enormous upside. And this, this is like, this is like a dynasty draft, right? Where you're, you know, putting together a team. You're like, well, why would I draft Zach Pascal? Like, this is my, my bench spot. You know, I, I would rather have a lottery ticket than nothing. You know what I mean? And so I respect that in, in this particular capacity. Also, I mean, if he's elsewhere, I like that opportunity even more. Like if someone, somebody else, like, like if we're, if we're dreaming, what if he goes to Indianapolis? You know, like that would be wild, and and we know also that Baltimore had interest in him before, right? And so, I mean, he goes and plays with his cousin Hollywood Brown, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, now you're you're further up the depth chart, so to speak. Like that would be this is a great pick by you, stats. You you had a few. I feel like your draft was a really, and I, I mean this is a compliment, a really sort of vintage. Al Davis draft you like you saw Will Fuller and Kendrick Bourne boom Darius Hayward Bay gotta have him like that's that's kind of what those were for you um this was you kind of reeling it back in and I think Antonio is going to be in your starting five when the season's over he very well could be the Ravens idea is really interesting to me because it's like does the presence of Hollywood Brown kind of help Antonio Brown stay on the straight and narrow or if you're the Ravens are you worried that the influence of Antonio Brown could derail Hollywood Brown I don't know the battle that goes on there, but they have to, have to surround Lamar Jackson with better weapons. I saw a report, I think it was from Jamison Hensley, covered the Ravens forever, who said that they are not expected to go after one of the top free agent wide receivers. And it's like, man, like, come on. And I know maybe they can draft somebody, but sometimes I think you kind of need a veteran guy. Like in 2019, the Niners went out and traded for Emmanuel Sanders and the receivers took off after that, and they all credited him with just helping them along, helping them figure stuff out. So I think that the Ravens need to do that. Help help those guys out a little bit. Help Lamar out so at the end of the game, when it's third and eight, you know, and they're trying to score a touchdown, like he has a legit target to go to instead of Mark Andrews. Come on. See, and I think, I think there's a, a different tenor to Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. I just, my own personal read is I think Chris Godwin's like, yeah, man, I want to run this back. Like I, you know, whatever. I think Antonio Brown is far more of a mercenary, far more of a Darrell Revis. Like I got mine. I'm getting out of here and I'm going to go get paid somewhere else. We mentioned the Ravens, something we hadn't even touched on. And I know there's a huge question surrounding this, but I, I personally, and I know you totally disagree here. If I have to choose one or the other, I think it's more likely the Seahawks don't trade Russell Wilson this offseason. I think this is the uh, Antonio Brown to Seattle is the like, I hate this analogy, but the people that like say um, like have have a baby to save the marriage type thing like that's that's what it is. Right. Like, Russ, don't leave. You wanted Antonio. We brought you Antonio. And that could be really fun. And that could really pay off for you. So I kind of hope that doesn't happen because I want to win. Okay, I want to get to that, but let's just recap it for people in their minds. So this is your starting five. You have Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, and T.Y. Hilton. That is your starting five. For the sixth man, Nelson Aguilar, yes. baby. I have Chris Godwin, Curtis Samuel, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, Kendrick Bourne, and then Antonio Brown is my sixth man. So those are the two teams. We will have a very pretty fancy graphic for you so you can commit it to memory of all time. And again, we will look at the catches, yards, and touchdowns at the end of the year next year, and we will keep track of who's starting five did better. And when I win, RJ is going to buy me a steak dinner. Also, this is the first we, – we are – like the NBA All-Star Game is kind of the beginning of the sort of race to the finish for the NBA season. This is Stats and I not starting anew because, I mean – we're, we're soulmates at this point. Um, you are Vision. I am Wanda, so to speak. Um, but I don't know if I like that analogy, by the way. I might have to. I, I'm only through episode five. So, you know, hold off on, on any judgment there. Um, but um, stats, this is the first. We, we are the look ahead. So we want to do this a lot. Maybe not necessarily on a weekly basis, but this is the first of many different wagers that we're going to create and come up with between now and the ride through the 2021 regular season. Like we said at the top, when the season's over, we'll have a show next off season where we roll through all of the bets and wagers that we placed and we have a final score stats will maybe get one steak dinner but i'll get a whole bunch more and i'll go to the fancy place in town 
You mentioned Russell Wilson, so I want to get back to that because right before we started recording, I saw a clip of Mike Silver on the NFL Network basically saying, look, this thing with Russ is way worse than I realized. He's way more unhappy than I realized. And this was the key thing. He said, oh, well, the Seahawks are listening. They would be crazy not to listen. Like, I don't know if people are paying attention, but I just want to lay it out for you. Here is sort of the general playbook when it comes to guys getting traded. It's fairly obvious. We've seen it again and again and again. Guy puts in a trade request, like superstar player. First reaction from all the beat writers. No way. Never going to happen. You're an idiot if you think it's going to happen. This isn't fantasy football. And then what happens? What do we hear a day or a week later? Well, he's not on the block, but teams are calling about him. Then after that, what happens? Well, teams wouldn't be doing their job if they don't listen to offers. Next thing you know, bam, dude gets traded. Like, it has happened again and again and again. And with this Seahawks thing, think of how it went. Russell got mad, criticized the team. Brandon Marshall, his friend, says Russ is really mad. He wants out. All of a sudden, we know the four teams Russell Wilson is going to go to. Then Mike Silver says, well, teams expect that it'll take three first-round picks to get Russell Wilson. Like, where do you think they're getting that info from? That's the Seahawks setting the price. Now, all of a sudden, all the Seahawks are crazy not to listen to offers. Like, they're greasing the skids here to get Russell Wilson out of town. I think he's getting traded this offseason. I think Russell Wilson has taken his last snap for the Seahawks. So I want to be clear here that you are my friend. I care about you and I love you. But I think that there is a teeny bit of, is it red and gold? Like, was that, was that scarlet? Okay. (laughs) I think there's a bit of just a a hair. I mean, just like a splash, just, just enough for you to taste it. um, Kind of pushing this idea for you. While I agree with everything you said, like conventionally, that is how trades ultimately sort of, you know, follow um, like the path of delineation, so to speak. The ultimate truth and core principle in the NFL is that you can always follow the money. And from a financial perspective, it does. It is very illogical for the Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson this offseason. This year, he has $19 million guaranteed left on his salary. It's the last year of his current deal where he has guaranteed money left. And so while I completely agree with you, I think that this, like, if you, if you, call this like a flow chart. I think the Seahawks would go through all the sequences that you said, and then they'd come to the financial portion of it and say, not, not worth it. You know, we'll just, we'll tough it out. You know, we'll go get Antonio Brown, like RJ Ochoa prophesied and stats will have an awesome, you know, man on his five, you know, starters of his wide receivers. And so like that, that to me makes more logical sense. I agree with you that the, the narrative of it all is ultimately leading here, but to me, it kind of, um, have you ever watched the challenge on MTV? No. Do you know what it is? No. You know what it is. Don't be lying. It's it's, a game it's where show? all the it's a game show where all the people from the real world and at the time the road rules. It's like it's it's a challenge and different seasons have different themes like battle of the sexes and you know rivals and whatever. And so like a few years ago they start like a, a standard episode is you know they they they're at the house they get into some drama they go do the daily challenge whatever they go back they deliberate whoever's going to go into the gauntlet or whatever goes in and then they battle it out one person goes home. But like five or so years ago, MTV got slick stats and they started kind of adjusting the episode schedules. Like one episode would end as the like elimination was set to begin. And so then you were like for a whole week, you were like, who's going to go home in the elimination? It was super frustrating. Actually, uh, that's how last week's episode was. I'm a bit on edge about this. And my point is like, I think the Seahawks have reached that weird point where, you know, like this episode's going to end right before the elimination round happens. And then that's going to start up next episode, which is next offseason in terms of the breakup. I think it's happening. I think Russ wants out. I think he's trying to preserve like his image as like team guy. But I think he's told them, I want out. I'm done with this. I think it's going to happen. And let's be honest, what kind of team does Pete Carroll do best with? Like Pete Carroll is not known as the best of the best when it comes to Situational football, X's and O's. Pete Carroll is motivational. That's who mm-hmm. he is. And what do those defensive guys say when they left Seattle? They were like, Richard Sherman especially was like, Pete's got like five stories. He keeps rotating them. It gets really boring after a while. You just tune him out. Pete needs a young team. And I think that also applies to a young quarterback. And he doesn't want his quarterback saying, I need to throw more. That's not who Pete Carroll is. 
He's a ground and pound, run the ball, play good defense. I've won a zillion games doing that. So that's what he wants to do. He doesn't have time for Russell Wilson's jibber-jabber about throwing the ball and cooking. I think he he's going to thrive on a young quarterback. They can get three number one picks. There's a bunch of quarterbacks that could go in the first round this year. I think it's happening, RJ. Book it. Since we have started the practice of um of of opening a book, the the book of stats and RJ here, where we we put wagers down. Do you want to put this down? I mean, so the the wager would be stats believes that Russell Wilson in his next NFL game is playing for somebody that is not the Seattle Seahawks, and I would disagree with that. Book it. Put it in. All right. Book it. That's our new like catchphrase. <laughs> You're like the cop. Book it. Book it, Dano. That's a timely reference right there. Are you like, is that from like Matlock or something? Oh my like, God. <laughs> Just Google it later. Uh, no, I think it's happening. Um, I think we are seeing that. I think that this is going to be the offseason. Deshaun Watson's going to get traded. Russell Wilson's going to get traded. And that kind of gives Jerry Jones a little cover if they don't work it out with that. Oh. Uh, see, it's all connecting. <sighs> I just, I'm exhausted. Stats. This wasn't on the rundown, but um, this. I actually do want to say something about this before we leave. Um, Jane Slater, friend of the show, friend of Blogging the Boys, uh, went on the Dan Patrick Show this week and talked about Dak Prescott's contract status, obviously. And she mentioned that you know these are my words, not hers. Uh, he wanted to get paid behind Patrick Mahomes in, in terms of you know contract, you know status and whatnot. And I saw this aggregated a lot, like that line. Um, like painting her out as saying he he wants that, and that that was not what she said. At least how I heard it. I think her her point was he wants market rate, and right now that falls right behind Patrick Mahomes. It also falls right ahead of Deshaun Watson. Like that's that's the obviousness of it all to me. Why wouldn't he want? Like I wouldn't be mad at him if he wanted more than Patrick Mahomes. Like right. you're negotiating. He's not going to back himself off the deal. And as Mike Florio pointed out, Dak's leverage is 37.68 million under the tag this year and 54.25 potentially in 2022. Like that's where the contract now starts for the Cowboys. So it's pretty simple. If Dallas isn't willing to do that, then there's no reason for Dak to sign a contract at all. No, and I mean, that's $92 million, right, over the course of the next two years, approximately. That's $46 million per year that he has, right? And the only thing that he is, you know, required to do in order to get that is is be a little bit bold, which we have learned that he certainly is. And so if you're not offering him, theoretically, $46 million per year, you're offering him less than what he effectively has. And, you know... He's all the franchise tag values are fully guaranteed. So he has right now $92 million effectively fully guaranteed. So when the Cowboys come up like, Hey man, we'll give you $105 million guaranteed. It's like, why would I give that up for, for five total years as opposed to two years? It just, it doesn't make any sense. And I did a YouTube video on our YouTube channel over at blogging the boys on, um, on Tuesday about this. There are three categories here. There's the contract length, there's the APY, which is probably going to be north of $40 million per year. And then there is the total guaranteed money. And I mean, Dak is talking north of 100. I think uh, Deshaun is just south of $112 million total guaranteed. So you've got to get Dak above that. And the Cowboys are stuck on this five-year deal thing. So if you want that fifth year, you got to you got to go up somewhere else. Like you, you can't have all three categories in, in a level of comfortability. You either got to go up on the APY or you got to overwhelm him in the total guaranteed money. The, the, and people love to point out to us stats at BTB. Oh, well, Patrick Mahomes signed a 10-year deal. Why can't Dak be like that? Patrick Mahomes also got an overwhelming amount of his contract to be total guaranteed. Like that's you got to overwhelm him in one capacity or else he's going to keep holding out. And that's why I think it's a simple like to me, Dallas should already know what they're going to do. They should absolutely already know because the the terms are there in black and white. Like the, those are not going to change. Dak's agent is never going to accept less than the numbers you put out there because all Dak has to do is nothing to get that money. So they, to me, they should already know. That's why I think there's a potential for maybe Dak to get traded. Like it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm just counting the days till the new league year starts. What's that line from uh, back to the future? Christopher Lloyd looks at Michael J. Fox and says, When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious Shout out to the GOAT. Um, but the only thing I would do, I don't think there's anywhere where he gets traded. Just because he would have to sign the tag. And he's not going to do that to help them at this point. I mean, if, if you're Dak and this team is that disrespectful to you, it, it's an aggressive word, but fine. What, why are you going to help facilitate their needs to give use, to help give them anything? Because then he could negotiate the contract with whatever team gets traded to.
He could do that next year, though. He could. I mean, like, like the, the path to to being petty, so to speak, is getting thirty thirty eight million dollars this year, and then you can do it anyway next year when the salary cap is even larger. So you know that that seems a pr- like a pretty appealing idea to me. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm petty sometimes. Well, this we know. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to us, stats. Um, congratulations to the NBA All Star Game for completely copying our format and our formula. Uh, super pumped about this. I think um, I think I'm LeBron and you're Kevin Durant. I think so. I, I think I'm that's fair. a thousand percent fine with that. <laughs> Why? Because Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the history of the league. Now, granted, he's not as good as LeBron, but he's really mm. close. Like really close. Stats also has several burner accounts, which is why he's cool with this. Yes, I do. And they all criticize me in an odd twist. And they all promote Kendrick Bourne in an interesting review. <laughs> all right. Which they lay off Kendrick Bourne, right? How many snaps of Kendrick Bourne's career have you seen? Uh, 18. Yeah. So shut up. Hey, who beat the 49ers this past year in December stats? Was it the Dallas Cowboys? That's right. Who caught the Hail Mary at the end of the game? Totally meaningful and important play? Kendrick Bourne. Uh, that's true. Wow. How did I not realize that? Boom. Roasted. Well, um, Cowboys won. Um, I snaked Nelson Aguilar and you're Kevin Durant. Those are the important takeaways from this episode. If anybody likes your receivers or my receivers more, I recommend that they tell us by way of an SB Nation NFL show review. Or you can follow us on Twitter. He is at RJ Ochoa. I am at Stats on Fire. Regardless, rate, review, subscribe. Please, please, please. If you like the show, they really do help us and we really do appreciate it. Enjoy the day. Approach it with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And we'll talk to you next week.